Today's episode is presented by Missin. Virtually every chef agrees that a sharp, well-balanced chef's knife is the essential workhorse for any kitchen. A great knife should feel good in your hand, stay sharp, and hold up over time to the rigors of your kitchen. That's simple, right guys? But behind these deceptively simple concepts are centuries of tradition, technology, design, and craft. Missin spent four years developing the perfect knife because every little detail matters. Missin went through 37 different prototypes until they knew they had the perfect knife. The final result, if you will. A knife that's a pleasure to hold, sharp enough to plow through even the toughest foods, and a blade that stays sharper longer. And the best part is by partnering closely with their factories and selling directly online, Missin is available to offer an incredible cookware at wholesale price. Go to the link in our show notes to get your Missin knife today. Missin, perfect knife at a unreal price. Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. It's time for the great episode of The Ring Side Brand with your host from the hills of West Virginia, JD Justin Davis. And from Rochester, New York, this is RJ. It's Friday. It's 9 a.m. You know what that means. Another great episode of the Ringside Rant is with you this week. I am the man with the magical voice. He is legitimately one of Bret Hart's sons from the hills of West Virginia, Justin Davis. J.D., what's up, bud? Well, you know, I always thought I could have a son from West Virginia. Probably do. After all (laughs) the rats I fucked on the road. Well, and after this weekend being in Chicago, holy crap. I don't know about you, man, but we uh, might have some children in Chicago after this. I, just don't just don't tell my wife because I'm sure we'll get the I don't want to get that cease and desist, the paternity orders coming to the front door here in Rochester. But now a hell of a weekend, man. I know uh Friday we got in uh we got in over there to Wrigley for a ball game and uh the festivities started that night and didn't really stop until late into the hours of Sunday morning. Yeah, for you, uh, mine stopped uh, about midnight Sunday night because after uh, a full weekend of events and a uh, party bus ride to the event and back, I was spent. I guess uh, I can't go like I used to in my younger years, but maybe it's because I went so hard the first three nights I was there that by the time Sunday got there, I was spent. That may have something to do with it. It was so interesting that um not that i'm not now that i'm not drinking this would have been the perfect i'm like i'm so happy that i wasn't drinking because i would have probably been the one that was uh in a Pond water uh, dave in it well i i wasn't gonna go specifically there i was gonna <laughs> say in a in a in a bathroom naked eating a salad well there's that too uh, <laughs> hello mr mandic um ha- but 
you know, we, we need to touch on Mr. Pondwater Dave. He is a uh, famous person on this show, as we refer yeah. to him, the little enforcer. Yes. And the little enforcer needed a little help getting back to his bed Friday evening. And I was the one who uh, got nominated for that job. And that was uh, quite the experience itself. But the the picture of the weekend, without question, as the legendary Tony Schiavone would say, was Pondwater Dave's picture with Orange Cassidy while Pondwater was passed the fuck out. That was... And... it was just unreal. But the thing is, it's even gotten as far as the great Doug Halliday making mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a a portrait, we'll say. How could of, you not? I, I, at this point, if I was Pondwater Dave, I'd put that son of a bitch on a T-shirt and sell it, man. I'm just glad Doug Holiday doesn't have the picture of us dropping Dave off in the bathroom on the way up to his hotel. Oh, my God. I would, I have witnessed <laughs> that just like you. It was myself, you, and I believe... Um, one mr anthony pyers um i didn't know that much urine can come out of that tiny body holy shit we leaned the little enforcer up against the wall to pee into the urinal and about you know a a, a wrestlemania later we got yeah. out of the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> well it was i'm like oh crap because i was sitting there and uh, the wonderful uh uh, security that uh, Mr. Thompson had there, Atlas Security. We'll give them a plug. They're not sponsors, but uh, they're nice guys. Uh, they're like, uh, you guys need help with them? Uh, I'm like, uh, no, I think we're pretty good. I got to go figure out what room he's in. We'll take him upstairs. And I mean, think about it. I know you and I are no strong men. We're no Dino Bravos. No. But if if you and I and Anthony Pyers can't get little enforcers, little ass up into his little bed, then we got issues. Well, no, exactly. I'm like, I, <laughs> you and Anthony were carrying the boy. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just steer the ship here and get him into bed and get the car into the door. And uh, no, and he was hurting the next uh, hoop. Uh, oh, that was another great, great thing that people listening to the show that weren't at Top Guy Weekend. Yeah. Maybe the most... The funniest round of applause of the weekend. When he entered the room the next day. Dave, so that was Friday night. Saturday morning, Kurt Angle had an event with us at 9 a.m. Yeah. Needless to say, the little enforcer did not make it to the 9 a.m. event. Right. But he came strolling in around 11 for for Tony's thing, I think. Or no, was it Tony? I don't know. I don't know. No, whenever it was was Tony and um, David Crockett. Whenever. The low enforcer walked into the room, though. Pondwater was still announcing whoever was going to be next. Or not Pondwater, uh, Cassio. So Cassio yeah. was on stage. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Dave kind of slinks in the back of the room and someone spots him. And all the top guys stood up and gave him a rounding standing ovation, uh, which was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the I do, funniest I, I, thing. I, I, I do have to give a special shout out to, uh, to Hoop. Uh, he's the one that, uh, I asked Dave, I said, Dave, you need to drink water. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm drinking water. Well, he wasn't drinking water. He was actually shaking cause he was hung over and Hoop took him to the, to the store and got him some crackers and, and some water and all that stuff. So no, it was, it was definitely a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh rumor and innuendo out there is hopefully something bigger and better happen next year. Uh, but, uh, I think we're pretty much going to need a year to recuperate from this. Yeah, I mean, um, another special thing that happened for me was um, about seven of us, eight of us that were at the original Loki Big Hog Weekend um, 
were there this weekend, last weekend, uh, myself and uh, Mr. Efren Bajorquez and um, Paul Bromwell and uh, Stonerdale and Timmy and Angel and some others. Um, of course, the great and despised Adam Demoy. He, um, I forgot how wonderful and flowing his mullet is. Ooh, that mullet was on. That was on point. And yeah. Demoy brought me some gifts, of course. And you'll like these. He brought me a VHS of Starcade '99, where Brett gets his head kicked off by Bill Goldberg. He brought he's, me the VHS of he's that. Gotta live, he's got to live up to the heel mentality, man. <laughs> he brought me a picture of Brett and Goldberg as tag team champions, an 8x10. And he brought me the most WCW thing ever, which was a knowing that I'm a teacher, he brought me a stack of pencils that ha- were Bret Hart WCW pencils, but they didn't have erasers on the end. So they just straight WCW that they Shivani even putting the erasers on a fucking pencil. The erasers already Shivani, but yeah, all in all, for those of you that went to, uh, to top guy slash top gal weekend, we have to say now. Um, yeah. It was definitely was cool a ple- yeah. It was definitely a pleasure to meet all of you. Uh, I sent out personal myself, personal you know, DMS to some individuals just saying, Hey, it was nice to see you again. And, uh, it was always great to see you, Justin. Obviously, we see each other every week, but uh, mm-hmm. it's especially nice to see a lot of these people that uh, we see on these Zooms with uh, all the great uh, ad-free show content that we get. And uh, it, it, it's it's going to get bigger and better. I know that for sure. And I'm sure uh, Conrad will definitely see to that. I got uh, Tony Schiavone to leave a <laughs> voice voicemail to my uh the junior high principal at the school district I work in. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, just a great weekend, like you said, and it was really cool seeing our family, our, um, you know, our brethren out there that are uh, top guys and um, to see Dave Silva again and Heather Silva and Cassio and mm-hmm. Conrad and all the, all the crew. It was a fantastic weekend. I can't, I didn't hear of anything bad happening. I think everyone got along well. There was no, you know, inner squabbles that I really heard about. So yeah, yeah I didn't hear um, that was good. I think it was just an overall good weekend of uh, fun and fellowship. And like you said, we'll do it again next year. Yeah, but something we're definitely going to looking forward to this week is uh, in your house, Ground Zero, which uh, came to us from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, September seventh, nineteen ninety seven, before. 49 or 4,963 fans. Uh, just briefly before we get our opening contest, Justin, uh, this was really in the thick of things in 97, uh, September of 97. We're just, we've gone through the invasion of the NWO Hall, Nash Hogan are in the WCW. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of good things in the WWF really start turning the corner. This pay-per-view was just I think it was just that it had its good points it has bad points uh and it had some you know in between as well but for the most part uh wasn't too bad it wasn't um a great show it's not what I would consider a terrible show either it was kind of just a builder your big show was the pay-per-view before this right which was SummerSlam 97 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the um corner turner I think for WWE I think SummerSlam 97 really helped kind of shift things into gear for them. And this was kind of a pay-per-view just to keep it rolling, you know, on into Survivor Series. Right. And I think it did its job overall. Yeah. 
you know, but another guy that definitely does a great job. He's lean, mean. He actually just got for his wedding anniversary. I saw on Twitter, Mr. Rich Palladino's lovely, lovely wife got him a WWE championship to put around it on his shoulder there. So if you want to go follow him, you'll see the pictures over there as well. So without further ado, if you will, let's send it up to Mr. Rich Palladino for opening contest. Ringside rant fans. It's the opening contest. So, Justin, we started off with a feud that doesn't really, in my eyes, get enough recognition is the uh, Brian Pillman and Goldust feud. Uh, We saw a lot of this being promoted in the previous uh, pay-per-views in SummerSlam, where we saw Pillman having to be forced to wear Marlena's dress Then when he lost to Goldust. Uh, It was just going a lot of back and forth. Um, this match here at ground zero was nothing short of another gimmicked match. I guess we could say, um, it was an indecent proposal match and you're thinking to yourself, I'm sure what the hell is an indecent proposal match? Well, everyone knows what an indecent proposal match is, pal. Yeah. We'll probably have one of those in NXT now (laughs) that he's booking it. Um, I'm pretty sure we've already had one. Anyways, so if Goldust won, Pillman would leave the WWF forever. If Pillman won, he'd get Marlena for as a personal personal assistant. I use quotation marks for those of you in podcast land uh, for 30 days. Uh, this is something that we really can't do nowadays here in 2021, like you could in 97. I don't think you can unless you live in Afghanistan. This 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 angle might have got over in the Taliban. Or, or if I or, beat or, you, I take your woman. <laughs> or, or or the hills of West Virginia, but usually the women well, will turn maybe. up. But the women will probably turn up to be like your mother, your sister, or sister wife, or something. No, but I, I'll say this feud was like other than Owen and Steve, kind of for the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. This was their main mid card feud over the summer of '97. They put a lot of time and effort into this feud. Well, and, and I think too with Pillman, he, I, Pillman was so so good in this feud because the character that he played that lose cannon, it told a story and he didn't really have to do anything in the ring. It was all his promo work. You know, the, the tape, the the recorded taped, whatever you want to call it promos that he would do, you know, engaging gold dust into one more match. Give me one more match. Gold dust. Um, Coldest would keep on, keep on, keep on declining. And then Marlena all out of nowhere accepts. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Well, and they wanted to build up on the, the idea. And I heard in this pay-per-view, even JR said it, you know, her back in WCW, Marlena dated Brown Pillman. Mm-hmm. Like, so they brought that up and they wanted to build off of that actual thing that happened. Well, yeah, because now in 97, it, you don't have the social media. You don't have the Internet like we do now that you can go back and Google the Internet and find out that Mar- Marlena, Terry Rawls, whatever we want to call her. Fuck you know, Brian Pillman. Yeah, sure. To, 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 put, to, to put it bluntly like that, of course. <laughs> I wonder if he turned Marlena upside down. He's been known to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure she's been upside down a few times. Yeah. <laughs> But regardless, I, I just think that this was the beginning of uh, Gold Dust Gold Dust and uh, Dustin Runnels, whatever we can call him. We'll call him everything. I think it was this is the beginning of his big push in the company. 
Well, I mean, he had he, been Intercontinental Champion before. Well, but I, I, a big push as far as being, I think, looking at it now, looking at this feud, this feud really made him, I thought, a contender to win the big belt. Well, I think this feud was meant like with the JR interview with him and Marlena. I think it was just yeah. right. It got him more camera time and it was meant to kind of put more layers of the onion on the gold dust character. I think mm-hmm. um, after they had kind of exhausted what it was at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I think it shows an effort on Vince's part to really try and keep pushing to get Goldust over because I think Vince believed in the character after a while i don't know how he felt about it at the beginning but i think after a while he he saw what it could be and i it just pained me in what another two years we see him dressing up like uh, dressing Mm -hmm. up like a woman dressing up in this garb that you know obviously made you turn your head being teamed up with luna you know it, it, it just got, 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 it got the weird. oddities. He should have joined the oddities. Exactly. But I, that, and that's going back and watching it because as, as you know, I wasn't watching raw in in this era. I was watching nitro. Yeah. And I go back and watch it. It's like, I see the pay-per-views. I watched the pay-per-views. I didn't watch the raws because I would go to my friend's house, watch the pay-per-views in his house. And you know, so I didn't have to really not watch it, but I, I the storylines were, really wasn't matching up. But anyways, in 98, when the oddities came around, I think if you would have put Goldust, yeah, I mean, as like their leader, it would have given him another thing to do. And it would have brought a little more le- legitimacy to that group. I, I think so too, but it just, uh, I never got it. I never liked it. I always looked at, Going back and watching it, looked at Goldust as Goldust, not as the art artist formerly known as Goldust, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like go back and see it now. Obviously, you know he's mended fences. He's on the straight and narrow now, but um, and more power to him for that. But I don't think he would have really done a lot of this stuff if he didn't know where it was going to lead to. And I thought it would have led to something like, like a getting the heavyweight title run because as much as well, you we like, think there were so many people at this time that were in line for that title, but I, but how many times, and I get it. I, how many times can we see an Austin and, and, and Brett, well, how many times can we see we an started, Austin taker? Well, this is when we, we hadn't even put the belt on Austin yet. So he's next in line for it, obviously. But then you have people like, you know, Mick Foley and Triple H and, and the rock that are going to develop in the, those world title contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I had about this match was the, the promo package opening up the show, the promo package for this match was really, really well done and mm-hmm. put together. Well, I liked it. And, and that's one of the things at this time too, that really, I think set the WWF at that time and the WCW apart. And you can look at it now too with, WWE and NXT or WWE and AEW is the video packages are polar opposites. AEW is getting there, but at this time, as we're talking about WWF and WCW, WWF was running away with it. The packages, the lead up in between the matches, all that stuff, the production of it. 
was mm-hmm. so much head and shoulders above the of WCW, ECW, whatever. Obviously, you know, WWF has more money than either one of them, but that is, you know, beside the point. But one thing that it just keeps bugging the crap out of me is this next match between uh, Brian Christopher and Scott Put- Scott Putzky, two second generation superstars, and we get Lawler who we, we met this weekend uh, at uh, Top Guy Weekend. You see him at ringside with JR and calling the match as he does and saying, oh, he's not Brian. I'm not Brian's son. I'm not Bri- or Brian's father. I'm not Brian's father. Mm-hmm. Do, do, I, do you, does he think people are blind because they look no, freaking it's, identical? It's just part of the gimmick. I liked no, I it. Know. I mean, I liked uh, bringing up Jerry's commentary. That's one of my... Two, I really only had two notes on this match, and one of them is Jerry's commentary was fucking fantastic during this match. Really was, good. Well, that was about the only thing that was good during this yeah, match, to be well, honest no with you. Because Putski yeah. goes out on the outside and busts his knee up. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think we saw him again, did we? I don't think so. I think he might have made a couple runs in WCW, but I don't think we saw him again here in WWF. Yeah, there's not much to say about the match. Scott Pussy gets hurt, hurts his knee. The match ends early. Yeah. But like I said, Jerry's commentary was really fucking good on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we got the third match. Oh, that's uh, Savio crushing Farouk, right? Yeah. If you you book All the these, leaders of the little the facts groups. Los yeah. Bariquas, The Nation, and DOA. And... If you, I would think if you book these guys differently throughout their careers, I really think they would have been bigger stars. Uh, Farouk, former WCW heavyweight champion, All-American at Florida State, Crush has been with the company since pretty much damn near the beginning of it as he was a member of LO, or, uh, not LOD, Demolition. Um, so close together, I get him confused. Um <laughs> And uh, Savio Vega has been up and down Puerto Rico to Mexico, Japan, all over the world. And now he's bringing it to the WWF. Um, this was low key. One of my favorite matches. Uh, obviously it had its moments, missed spots, whatever, but overall, Justin, I, I think this, this was legitimately a pretty damn good match. Yeah. I mean, Farouk fired both of them from the nation. So that's also kind of gives some um, buildup and some backstory to this match. Obviously, Crush and Savio were both in the nation domination. And then he got rid of them and brought in D'Lo and the Godfather and the Rock uh, mm-hmm. eventually. So that sets up this match. Savio wins the match, which is kind of cool. Uh, I can agree with you to a point on Farouk that he could have done more but he did win a world championship crush there's no way mm-hmm. but crush he's he's he sucks oh. the best crush was heel Kona crush when he was in the black and purple shit in like 95 when he was in uh Ted DiBiase's stable I think mm-hmm. all the other crushes really sucked for me uh and Savio even though he's a great worker, great guy that could um, get younger talent over for you. I think that was his role for Vince. Um, Not sure that he could have ever been a main event type talent in WWE at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't, I I just, 
Savio to me, and even talking to him in the past for an interview that we did uh, with him, is he was one of those guys that you'd want to put a guy like Austin against. And Austin credits Savio with putting him up on that pedestal, getting him at the next level. Yeah. And I think Savio, who knows? And then at this time, people were, they were putting the belt on anybody and everybody. And I always thought, I'm like, these are three dudes that really, they work their asses off. Obviously you have different, you just have different opinions on the three guys, but why not? Christ. Nowadays it changes so goddamn frequently that, anybody you and i could be a fucking wwe champion well i don't know i mean at that time honestly the belt in 97 wasn't changing a ton i mean it might change from i mean they did do like when brett won uh the fatal four-way or whatever and then lost the next night on raw to sid mm-hmm. they, they did do that but other than that they were kind of giving guys at least five or six month runs with the title at least I mean, Savio to me, like I said, you're right. He is a guy that can work with Austin. He's a guy that's going to get your up-and-coming talent over. He's not the up-and-coming talent, yeah. I guess is what I mean to say. Yeah. No, that. I know. And I, I, I get what you're saying, and I, and I, to a certain point, I agree. But it's like, why why not? Christ, you could even put you know with your the title on two of the next uh, guys in the next match, Max Mini and El Torito. I'm like, um, I don't have much to say about this. I don't either. I was than, just trying to transition into it somehow. Other than once again, Jerry Lawler was fucking fantastic during this match. Uh, I just love his commentary and just his little jokes. No pun intended that he'll crack. Yeah, especially, <laughs> especially in this match. Um, just when the, when Max Minnie come and sat on his lap and took his crown and put it on his head and the crowd got a big pop and, yeah. You know, it is what it is. It's a let me up match going into uh, that next match, which is the tag team championship, right? So, yeah, yeah it's just kind of a, a comical match, which, you know, the, they fucked up the finish, by the way. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. In, in, that the, in, in the mini match, yeah? Yeah, they, they had to, they went for like a uh, sunset flip and they missed it. And so then Max Mini did just gets thrown off the ropes again and he sunset flips and gets it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, he had to flip pretty high for that being the mini, but, uh, but no, just to move on. And, uh, we start to see the preparation for the tag team championship match. Um, dude, love and Austin having to forfeit the titles, quote unquote, Ross, Jim, right. JR is in the, uh, in the ring interviewing Sergeant Slaughter and, he wants them basically to come out and hand in the belts to, uh, um, to, to relinquish them because at this time, Austin's pretty much shot. Yeah. Um, and you can't compete. You can't wrestle. You got to give them up. And it's been, I would looking at it now. I wish they would have done this today. Nowadays, even if it's storyline wise, I don't care, but, um, (laughs) it's just unreal. Austin's gold. 97 go Austin is absolutely gold. Oh yeah. And when Jim Ross responded that he wished Austin could wrestle too. And then he basically stuns, stuns him. I'm like, Holy shit. 
JR took it pretty decently, too. Oh, yeah. He didn't take a bad stunner. I was kind of proud of him on that. I, I thought, was it Slaughter, on the other hand, took the fucking worst stunner ever, I think. Wow. Yeah. Outside of McMahon, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, this was just kind of, this was another aspect of Austin's show. And, you know, him and Jim Ross, you know, like each other. And he just nailed Jim Ross. So it just goes back to don't trust anyone. You can't trust Austin. He'll turn on anybody trying to keep building that character even deeper. Yeah. So like we said that to say this leaning into the tag team title match the winner of this match is going to be the new tag team champions. We got the headbangers, uh, uh, Mosh and Thrasher versus the Godwins versus LOD and then Owen Hart and British Bulldog going into this. I really forgot about this match to be honest with you going back and watching it. I dude, how over was Owen and fucking Davey? Oh man, they were just, they were so fun together. They yeah. always looked like they were having fun out there. Oh yeah. You know? Um, just, and really, if you think about it, if they could have got, if they could have started together, like the British Bulldog did with Dynamite Kid, mm-hmm. Owen and Davey would be considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Cause you have the same, you would have had the kind of the same dynamic, the speed and the agility of Owen with the power of Davey. And you still had that here, just Owen wasn't as fast and Davey probably wasn't as powerful, but mm-hmm. You still had the same t- type of thing, and they could definitely get a, tell a story in a match. Yeah, I, and I just think, did, did you see seem to you that this match was just a clusterfuck, or was it just me? Yeah, it was a little bit. But because um, you know, watching, I'm just like, what is this? What is this tag team division missing? What could possibly be added to this tag to make it better? Uh and just my thoughts keep going back to Owen and Bre- or Owen and uh, and Davey, and just they're working so goddamn hard to get this division over, but they're still working on this whole uh, with Austin's neck because of mm-hmm. Owen. They're playing that off in this match. Yes, and they're, building they're, and building they're blowing that off and building Owen yeah. and, and Steve for survivors here. Right, and then building this later on. We'd obviously there. These are the seeds that are being planted for that. Uh, Canadian Stampede. No, can, Canadian Stampede already happened. Oh, not Canadian Stampede. Survivor that, Series. Survivor Series. Yeah, that's but, where I'm going. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, but just coming off the heels of everything and just keeping this going and keeping this going. Um, just Christ, man. Just it, it, it goes to goes to back to realize and try to think. I Christ, fucking. If Owen was still going. He didn't pass when he did in St. Louis. Right, man. The, imagine fucking Owen and Austin for the heavyweight title, man. Yeah, that would have been good. I don't know if Austin would have worked, wanted to work with him much. I don't know. Um, I but obviously he worked with him to get a Survivor Series and everything yeah. seemed to be okay. I don't know right. how okay it really was. But I think this match, um, this tag team match, was a way to surprise mm-hmm. everyone right. you know like you said with the heat being built up with with owen and bulldog and they had been tag team champions pretty much all year before that um you expect them to win and then they don't they get screwed by steve and the goddamn headbangers win the, the team that you wouldn't expect to win the most so i think it was kind of fun because of that 
But you are correct. The match was a little bit uh, fagazy, as they would say. Well, one match that wasn't a clusterfuck was our, uh, which to me should have been the main event, but because uh, I believe that all the heavyweight title matches should be the main event, regardless on who's in them. But that's a conversation for another time. Obviously, we'll probably get into it a little bit here. But Brad Hart, your heavyweight champion, taking on the Patriot, Del Wilkes, if you will. Um, coming out to the same music that Kurt Angle would later have, the same music that Sergeant Slaughter once had. Uh, Del Wilkes debuted in July, uh, July 14th on Raw uh, to stand up against Bret Hart. At this time would be the anti-American, or Canadian anti-American, whatever you want to call him. And the Patriot would come out as that pro-American, obviously, and um, just would pull out. Uh, just surprising wins against Brett um, and uh, in a match that against Michaels that had Hart at ringside doing guest commentary. So that would kind of just play second fill to what's going on in the ring. Uh, but man, I, I just, there was something about this match that just didn't sit right with me, man. I, I don't know if it was the fact that Brett's trying to get this kid over uh, or just they're trying to push the Patriot Alpai. He's beating Hart. Uh, all this is on Raw and Friday night's main event. He's beating Owen. He's beating uh, uh, um, Brett on Raw. He's beating Michaels on Raw. I like that because then it leads it up to show, look at this guy. He's on a streak. He has a chance to beat the world champion at the pay-per-view, and obviously yeah. he's not going to, but they put that seed in your head that it could happen yeah no i and i get that too and there's only one way to do it is just to put him out there and throw him out out there if he sinks he sinks if he sinks or he swims pretty much uh and this wasn't too bad of a match i just thought it was too goddamn long it's 19 minute match yeah. you could have very easily gotten the point across well but here's and the thing like I said, they were trying to put that seed in your head that he can win. So, you know, if that match is over in five or ten minutes, well, I don't, I'm not I don't five know or, that. I'm not saying five or ten minutes. Is it Christ, you can cut out at least five minutes from this match, make it a 10 to 15 minute match and call it a night. Well, you know what I say they should do is cut out half of all the other matches and make that a fucking 40 minute match because Bret Hart is in it and that makes it good. So, well, and you're, and you're his son. So I would, <laughs> I would, I would think you want to be good to your father. Um, but no, and, 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 and a lot of people, uh, I think it was Devin Dowling put a question down here later um, or posed it to us earlier is uh, that this match should have been main eventing. And I, like I said, previous that I think all, Heavyweight title matches should main event the pay-per-views no matter what. I know a lot of people believe that, and I am not one of those people. Well, that's where we don't see eye to eye. I think that is flawed thinking because I think everybody in the wrestling world knows that Rock and Austin should have went on last at that WrestleMania. And if you think differently, you're not very, not Rock and Austin, Rock and Hogan. Hogan. And if you think differently, then you weren't, then you're not paying attention because it killed that fucking title match afterwards. So just because the title match has to be in the fucking main event, we're going to kill it and put rock and Hogan in front of it. I don't, I think that's stupid booking in my opinion. Well, I'm old school. So you can freaking suck my right one. (laughs) Um, 
But I'm just saying you're killing no, your no. fucking main event. But the thing is, though, if you're having, can't you do this and still get it over if you have the right people in place? No, you know, you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Because if you, that pay per view was headlined by Austin, or excuse me, by um, my or uh, Michael's an Undertaker. Now, no, this no, one. no, 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 oh, no. Oh, you're talking one. about Jericho. I'm and talking all that. Jericho and Triple yeah. H. I don't think that that was. You can't do the right people. Those aren't the right people in the main event there because of Hogan and Rock. I get that. Yeah. But see, I think in this situation, this is the right people to main event. Well, yeah. Because first of all, the crowd's not invested in the Patriot. They've had a couple of weeks of the Patriot. You know what I mean? If that was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and the Patriot and the Undertaker, you don't think Shawn and Bret would have been last? Well, well, but this is also, you also take into account Austin's not wrestling. Foley's not wrestling. So mm-hmm. you got to put somebody in there. But I think this Michael's Undertaker feud of this 97, they're coming off. They're preluding to the Hell in the, the Cell. Next, first the ever Hell in the Cell. That's mm-hmm. the next pay-per-view. So that would have to main event. Obviously. But if... I don't know. It's a very slippery slope, I think. Because I think there's an argument for both sides. I'm still sticking with it that I think all titles should be main event. I just but, don't think that when... They made the definition of main event that it ever said that the world title had to be involved. For instance, I think the main event at uh, WrestleMania 11 was Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. One, yeah. because they didn't have shit else going on at the company at that time. But two, because that's going to get them the most publicity. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that matters more than a fake gimmick prop, which is what JR called the world title. And that's what it fucking is. It's a fucking gimmick prop. So, I mean, I understand it has all this prestige and it's the world title, but guess what? People get it given to them by Vince McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not all that, you know, I just think the main event should be what the fans want to see the most or else you're going to kill the main event. If what the fans want to see the most is the second to last match. Yeah. And we'll touch this briefly before we get to our next segment is the Undertaker HBK match. Um, this was one, like you said, this this match probably had the most lead up to it. The promos before it were absolutely phenomenal, like we talked about earlier. Uh, Obviously, the backstory to this main event is um, Shawn Michaels is a special guest, re- guest referee at SummerSlam 97, mm-hmm. where... Um, he saw a chair in the ring and accused Brett of using it, which I think Brett had planned to use it, but he didn't get to yet. And so then Sean then, you know, kept yelling at Brett and Brett shit it, shit it, <laughs> shit it, Sean. Um, yeah. Brett spit at Sean, where Sean then swings a chair and hits the Undertaker and Brett wins the title. So now, uh, uh, obviously, yeah, obviously Undertaker is now quite upset with the heartbreak kid. That leads into this match here at this pay-per-view, which would then lead to their famous Hell in the Cell Hell match in the next pay Which would have been the first. That was the first Hell in the Cell, mind you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I just think that this, for what it was, this is your building for the future. This is long-term, long-term booking. Um, they had this s- match. They had the Hell in a Cell match, and they had their Royal Rumble match, which and that was it. Ended up fucking Sean's backup for yeah. That was the uh, the, that was the uh, the um, casket match. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but did this match drag on for sixty minutes or was it the right amount? Do you think? 
Because obviously we talked previous, there was 19 yeah, minutes, and I then you made this, it in 16. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, with these two, I could watch them wrestle for a while. I mean, it was all right. I, I don't, like I said, this no one really thinks about this match because everyone thinks about the Hell in a Cell match in a month after this, which mm-hmm. for the right reasons, they should. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is a shitty match. It's kind of a shitty Smalls ending, right? Yeah. Well, and then you see the locker rooms emptying out. I think this puts a lot more bang in your buck for this feud because we didn't see the right ending on it. You know, we saw no contest, which you saw a lot of those in this time frame. But um, but we would see this going this. I think that was the only way for this to keep going into that hell in the cell, then yeah. into the casket match. This was the only way of doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and it is long-term booking. Like you said, let's start it off with this schmoz, build it up into the, that fucking crazy cage match. And then, you know, go from there with the Royal rumble. But yeah, I think it's the right thing. If you know, you're going to do a trilogy of matches like that, you probably want to start off with a match like this. Yeah. But one way to start a great, great match or a great segment is with Mr. Rich Palladino. So let's send it up to the ring to him right now now is the time to celebrate the first nfl sunday of the season is about to kick off and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the nfl is putting you in the center of this weekend's action new customers can get a free shot at a one million dollar top prize with their first deposit by signing up using the promo code ringside rant Get in on the action now. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the NFL action like you never have before with a free shot at a million-dollar payday. All you have to do is download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RINGSIDERANT. This week, new customers can get a free shot at the $1 million prize and compete for millions in other prizes across all contests. All you have to do is go and download the DraftKings app across all your platforms and use the promo code RINGSIDERANT. A minimum deposit of $5 is required. Eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is now time for Rants and Raves. All right, Justin. So Rants and Rave this week, one of my favorite segments of all time is Rants and Raves, obviously. But uh, we touched briefly on it in our uh, opening contest there. Uh, was the DOA Nation Los Barricos feud that we had here. They had the representatives uh, in for... Um, for each of them would be in Savio crush and Farouk dude, this feud to me just reeks of being so f- underrated that it wasn't properly given. It's just due. Um, this time everybody was pretty much in a faction. Mm-hmm. What made this, these three factions so, so good in your eyes? Well, I, I agree. The feud was a little underrated, but I think here's why the feud didn't go. For one thing, with like the nation, 
the nation domination, you knew all the members and they had stories. So the nation was pretty over as far as at this time. DOA, though, really all you knew was Chains, which was Crush. Mm -hmm. And the other guys were just other guys. And then with Lost for a Week was you knew Savio Vega and the hairy guy, but you didn't even know his name. <laughs> um, so it's just like they they just didn't build the characters in those groups good enough for right. anyone to really give a shit. Right. I just think because some of those guys are pretty. Uh, what how can we say? Uh, low key good because you don't get you don't get those guys to really get the proper recognition that uh, they 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 did. You know if that makes mm -hmm. absolutely <laughs> any amount amount of sense. And I mean I don't mind the feud of the groups because like right. you said there were a lot of. You know, WD, WWE and Vince, like they do all the time, overreacted to WCW having the NWO. So now, you know, we'll have eight NWOs, pal. <laughs> like, you've got the Heart Foundation. you got DOA. You've got DX. You've got Los Ruiquas. You've got the Nation of Domination. It's like, come on, bro. Pick one and go with it. Oh, man. I... They're just trying to throw it all at the, the wall and seeing what sticks. And out of that group, the Heart Foundation was obviously over right at this period. DX hadn't formed yet fully. Uh, Nation Domination was would get, I think, over more once The Rock got into it, mm -hmm. which he may have been in it already by now. Um, but the other two just never got over, just never worked. It was too many, too mm -hmm. many groups to care about. Well, but the thing is, you look at, even you look at WCW at this time, you know, NWO, Four Horsemen, you get all these other. Well, they eventually went with LWO and all that. Or, right, LWO. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, when is enough? When is it enough for factions? I don't think there really is a proper answer to that, though. I think so that both companies ruined factions for a long time in a way by oversaturating the market with them. You know what I mean? Like after the NWO, what great factions were there per se? None that really, I mean, you could say Randy Orton and, and Triple H and that group, right? Right. Uh, that group got over a little bit. But other than that, there weren't too many. Like I think people were done with that like, for a while because, you know, Eric and Vince just gave us too much of it. It's just like anything else. Once any company that sells, no matter what they sell, once they find out something is working, they then overload you with it until you don't want to fucking eat that chip anymore. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's what happened here. Well, and I think that was for, it was fairly evident because, you know, it became push or shove. It became fa fa feast or famine with a lot of these teams because, Unfortunately, with all good factions, they got to come to an end sooner or later. And unfortunately, these three teams obviously fell, fell to that. Uh, obviously, with the DOA, Los was being first and then the nation later. Um, I think out of these three, my favorite one was legitimately the nation because there's so many different mm -hmm. leaders of it. Could potential leaders, actual well, leaders. Um, and it spawned stars. It spawned stars like The Rock. I think Farouk got a big, good push out of it and helped his, 
career later on with APA. Right. Um, and then D'Lo, of course, we, we saw what his career skyrocketed after that. And the Godfather. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all became stars out of the nation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what you want a faction to do. Yeah. Like I said, if anybody, you know, is trying to start a faction, whether it be currently in the AEW or WWE or NWA or ROH, look at these three teams right here. Look at this time frame. And see what, you know, really what you should do. If you want to start a decent faction, it can last long. You know, look at New Day. We can cons- we consider them a faction. It's- I consider New Day more like the, the Freebirds, kind of like well, but, a three-man what, tag team. <laughs> but what what do you consider a, a, a faction then? Is it three? Is it four? Is it mo- well, more than four? I think we've just figured it out. A faction has to be four. Four, you think? Woo! Okay. Okay. Valid, (laughs) valid point. Valid point. I'm not going to discredit that by any means, but Christ, man. Um, But yeah, it's go back and watch this. Seriously. If you go back, watch this triple threat. Like I said, there, there is, uh, there's high points and low points, but for the most part, it's pretty damn good. Um, But I can't help. This is probably, we're probably going to go off into the weeds quite a bit on this. And, uh, but anti-American Bret Hart is better than old quote unquote Bret Hart mm-hmm. defend. Um, yeah, I, I can defend that till the day I die. 1997 Bret Hart is the best Bret Hart of all Bret Hart's, um, the heel turn, the whole, you know, being a, a hero throughout the whole world, except for America, you know, basically what he did and what that faction did was play off of the idea, which is kind of true, that all other countries in this world think that we are arrogant pricks and that we just only consider America and that's all we think about and everyone else can go fuck themselves. And that's kind of what Brett played off of the sentiment of the English fans and the French fans and the Canadian fans and the German fans. And Brett became a hero to them over that type of rhetoric. And then when you surround him, not only with a great faction like the Hart Foundation was, but with his buddies, with his boys, you know, Jim and Owen and Bulldog and Brian Pillman, those when you put them together, now they're having fun and they're having fun with it. And I just thought the whole heel turn in 97, his, I mean, here's the answer. Go listen to a Bret Hart promo in 94, 95 and listen to a Bret Hart promo on raw in 97. And you will see the market improvement in those promos. I just felt like he felt way more comfortable being a heel. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, do you think it's, do you think it's easier to be a heel to be hated than be liked? Yeah, I think it is. I think most all pro wrestlers will tell you they enjoy, except for there's a small club of the true baby faces out there like Ricky Steamboat and Sting that would rather be a baby face. But I think, you know, 85% of wrestlers would tell you they'd rather be heels. Um, I think it's just more fun to play up the crowd and get the heat. And a lot of times the heels kind of, especially in the top tier of the matches, the world title matches, the heels, you know, kind of run the, the match. 
because they're the baby faces have to play off the hills, what the hills do, right? So mm-hmm. we all know that Brett's a great general and knows how to fucking, you know, tell a story in the ring. And you know, I think it showed in this match with the Patriot. Yeah. And I think you could get uh get Brett over more as an American eventually. They played it up. Obviously, we saw it's st- uh Canadian or was it Canadian Stampede? There you go. I was going to say Calgary yeah. Stampede, um, but Canadian Stampede. And then we'd see him feud a lot here, eventually go uh, um, over oh, to WCW. But I, I, do you think they could have played this out even if they kept him signed? Yeah, in, in I think it could have lasted another year, probably, of just them doing their shit. And then eventually you do something there. I don't know. Maybe you make Owen the baby face and make Brits stay the heel and break them up and have another Owen Brett match, you know, yeah, well, but the, at WrestleMania. I think that would have been cool. And there's you, all kinds of stuff you can do with it. Hindsight being what it is, everybody's still alive. Everybody's in the WW. Excuse me. Everybody's in the WWF. Where do, would you put that Brett and Owen match though? What Brett would you play it off? Do it like a 10 if, if they stayed. You, yeah, they st- um, probably SummerSlam of 98 when you had Undertaker and Austin for the title. You could put Brett oh, at, Noah. at Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. guess what? That's where they had their WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, then that, that, and that's what I was hoping you'd say. Something like that at, at, uh, uh, um, at Madison Square Garden there. Uh, but because I think as much as Madison Square Garden is Vince's baby, it is the Hart family baby too, because they have, they've had those great matches there. But also I think maybe it would have been hard to break them up so fast. I think maybe you would have, because it's a family dynamic, Mm -hmm. you've really, and you've already had this Brett Owen feud a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So maybe they would have wanted to leave them together a few years, kind of like the horseman and just have them there as that heel stable. Well, that's true. But I, but I think, and when Sean left, when Sean got hurt, and now DX is a babyface group in the go summer against the Heart Foundation. Go against the Heart Foundation. But and I think you're that hits a lot of people in the fields because you know, everything goes correctly. Everybody's still here. Everybody's still signed. Everybody Owen doesn't pass. Um, even we could, that could go well into the two thousands. And then you mm-hmm. have these teams coming in. You have the radicals coming in from WCW. This has been this has been a conversation for a lot of people whether they've been within the AFS community or just the wrestling community in general. You now, have the long-term, Hartford. long-term booking that you're talking about the radicals. Right, that's 2000. If they're still there and you've had the heart foundation be heels for that long. Now you can turn them baby face and say, they're defending the WWF against these WCW invaders. Right. And then it's just the possibilities. And that's how you properly book these factions these heart foundations because you know you're obviously up there as far as a heart foundation fan as i am probably maybe a little bit larger but um there's no maybe about that it is true but you know i'm a big that that's one of my favorite tag teams it's not my favorite tag team of all time is a heart foundation with anvil and brett um but just the possibilities that would have happened but that is a that is how you properly book a a faction. It was the Heart Foundation, uh, heel face, whatever. To answer that question, though, 
I loved Brett as a baby face. Don't get me wrong. That's why I became a Bret Hart fan as a little slap dick. You know, right. I liked I liked baby face Brett. You know, I'm just here to tell everyone to follow your dreams and your biggest dreams can come true. I think he said after he won his first title and he was talking to Mean Gene on Superstars or something. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And he was a fighting champion and that always gets over as a baby face. And especially when the baby face, when the fans know he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he, you know, no matter how big he faces someone like a Kevin Nash or someone that he, he can pull it out. Um, and that's a good thing to have as a baby face. But I just feel like, like I said, guys, if anyone, Devin Dowling, all you young slap dicks that weren't around in 97 watching, just go watch start in uh, January of 97 and watch all the Rawls. And you well, will just see you'll just, how much better bread is in the in that time period. I think, and I know this is going to pop you, but there's probably going to be a lot of people, maybe Timmy C being one of them, who said Bret Hart sucks. At yeah, fuck Top Timmy Dark. C and yeah. fuck Dave and the QC. Those Bret Hart hating, rat soup eating motherfuckers. All right then. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, that that's it. We got it. We'll close shop tonight. We can't get much better than that. Um, no. I think that if without Bret Hart as a heel in 97, 98, or no, excuse me, 97, there would be no DX. Because with that feud that they had with him, them call, oh, you, you, you degenerates, you this, you that. He named the goddamn faction for God's sakes. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it didn't make sense for Sean to come out and fight the Hart Foundation by himself. Right. Exactly. He needed backup, and that's where you get the Triple H in the uh, in China and Rude. By the way, before we move on to our next rant and rave, who got the biggest boo of the weekend? Timmy C. Timmy C. He... <laughs> no, you guys got to listen to this shit. This is some shit right here. This is some inside, inside shit from Top Guy Weekend. So we got Dax and uh, Cash. What's it? Cash there with Arn Anderson. Mm-hmm. And they are watching the Brain Busters and the Heart Foundation tag team match from SummerSlam 1989. Mm-hmm. And after they watch this fantastic fucking match, Timmy C has the goddamn gall to stand up in front of Dax and Cash. And now let me tell you, Cash is the one who beat the fuck out of that dude that speared Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame speech. And we all know the love that Dax has for Bret Hart. And this motherfucker, Timmy C, in the summer fucking suit, stands up and tells them that Bret Hart sucks. It just starts off the question with that. That's my new background. For those of you that aren't, obviously you're not you seeing can't the watch video. on video. You can't watch on video. I'm the yeah, goddamn moron that I am. I will post it. Um, so Coming yeah, up as soon as we soon get as, off of here. As soon as Timmy C says that, myself and others start standing up and booing and putting the thumbs down, I start yelling, get him out! Get him out of here! <laughs> but, the, but, but the funny goddamn part, I'm like, there was a mixture of booze and oh! <laughs> I'm like, because you couldn't get the boo, you're like, oh! <laughs> it's just but, like, oh, he is that stupid. Yeah, he is that stupid. And the sad Jimmy part of, is. And, the sad and, part I, of, and I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say it because he's a fellow Cincinnati Bengals fan and Reds uh, fan. Yeah. 
I mean, we grew up in the same area. I don't know how we got so fucked up. I guess living in Kentucky. I don't. Well, know. that 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 probably plays into it, and probably the summer suits cutting off the circulation to his brain or something. Yeah, um, I don't know. But yeah, I got. I think TJ and I. I think we're the only smart ones. TJ and I got up and just walked away. <laughs> that was we're the like, best part. We're like, TJ nope, said, I'm out. "TJ Stevens, if you can hear him on uh, Filter Free Podcast with him yeah. and Timmy and Dave." um tj said soon as timmy c said that i got up and left the table i, I didn't want to be associated i'm not associated I, I we're gonna have a new opening on the show so you might as well uh filter filter in if you will um but yeah that's just that that's a little inside baseball so that's go over to adfreeshows.com and become a top guy and experience no shit these sad things that we talked about on this episode uh Oh, ne- before we move around. on, while we're talking about Top Guy Weekend, sure. how cool was it to meet fucking David Crockett? Dude, I literally have, I think I, did I show you the picture of himself and me and Tony? Yeah. I, I and I show, my wife does it, has no freaking clue who David Crockett is, but she mm-hmm. knows, she knows t- Tony enough because I've talked about him, I showed him pictures and all that stuff. And she's like, I showed her the picture. So she's like, I'm like, I'm going to, I have so many frame things I'm going to have to get poster frames for and put them up on the wall behind me and over here. But the one thing that I'm going to, I'm print out. I think I posted it on Twitter is the picture of myself and David Crockett and Tony. Yeah. He was legitimately the nicest man I've ever met because he reminded me so much of my grandfather where he would come up to you, grab you by your arm, not even like grab. He's just a fun loving guy is what he is. He just, you can tell he loves life. He loves talking to people and joking around and having fun. Mm -hmm. And I think where David and um, you know, he told us the day that his brother Jim died, he's, you know, Jim looked at him and said, man, I still just can't believe people care about it that much, Mm -hmm. you know? talking about his conversations with Conrad and his uh, appearance at Baltimore star or star or no at Tony's birthday party. It's Starcast. Uh, Starcast. Yeah. Starcast. We um, just, and then I think David has that same type of attitude. Mm-hmm. Just, he's so appreciative that people still care. And you could tell that in him. And he was just the nice, like you said, the nicest, sweetest man uh, would love to have a, he's, he'll have a shot with you and tell you a joke and just one of those people that's just fun to hang out with. But he's one of those guys. And I, I, I put Tony and a lot, a lot of people on the AFS team, but more so Tony, David, and even Arn. Basically you go to, and you don't even have to be drink. I'm not a drinker anymore. So it's like, okay, we'll go to the bar, have a pop or two. Okay. Let's talk about 83 Starcade, 84 Starcade go and just let him go. And just see what kind of material, what kind of great stories that that you get from that. Yeah, I had a couple uh, separate bar sitting at the bar conversations with Eric and Lori Bischoff this last weekend. Yeah, I was. was yeah, really I was fun. with you too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just fun experiences. Well, what's our last rant and rave? What we got? So our last rant and rave out. is uh, we could dedicate. You know what? We could dedicate this to the coyote himself, Mike Kyoto, because this is a referee topic. And oh. I, I, I can't remember. Was he one of the referees in this whole scuffle? Um, I can't remember. Either. I don't think I he was. Yeah. I will have to go back and look at it because I'm not. Oh sure. yeah, I think he was actually. He I th- was. But I don't think he got. 
I think he did. I think he got busted on that. He did. Yeah, I think he I'd go and listen to it now. Thinking about it now, I think he did. Um, but I, how many is too many ref bumps in the main event? We saw five total in the this sh- one alone. The Sean Undertaker match, the referees just get getting put in and they keep getting choke slammed or something. But is right. Do you think that that's right to do? Does no. that build up? Does it, but do you think that builds up on the storyline that these I, guys well, just hate each other that much? Yeah, I think there's a part of that. You're trying to build it up to that next. You, you already know this match is going to be a schmoz anyway. So fuck it. Let's just show that they just hate each other and they don't care. Right. So in a way, I, I do get that. And so I guess I'm kind of forward in this spot, but overall, a bunch of ref bumps for me don't work. I think it does work in this spot, though, now that I think about it. But even say, say it was, let's, for example, say that it was the, the, um, Bret Hart and Patriot match, and there's five. No, wouldn't have worked. Okay. But you, but you, wouldn't but you, so you're saying that, okay, in the proper match, the proper guys involved, Mm-hmm. That it would, well, would work. and it works with the Undertaker, right? Because it shows, oh God, the Undertaker's really fucking pissed. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like, because Undertaker usually wouldn't normally do this. So that's kind of what it shows. I think that's what it was meant to show, and you know, mm-hmm. it was fine. Yeah. No, I get that, but it's, I'm I'm just sitting there and I'm watching. And I'm like, what the fuck do these guys have to do? Seriously, because five of them. We saw, I think it was Timmy White. I know Timmy White and uh, Kyoto was one, and two of them. My, 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 Kyoto. And big, and shout out to Efren for that. Great, I still pop every time that plays. I got so. to talk to Mike Kyoto about that song this weekend with him. I, I told him the story, uh, a story about Efren kind of sending that to me with a kind of wanted me to check it out before he sent it in. And I was like, dude, that is gold. He's like, really? I'm like, Fuck yes, that's some gold shit right there. But that, but that, Mike's that like, is fuck. I said, I told you, and I'm like, I'm so glad you used it. He's like, no problem, man. I fucking love it too. But yeah, dude, he is one of the D nicest dudes. Seriously. Yeah. And it's just unreal where you go to, you go to these things and it's, you meet guys like, uh, um, like uh, who? Oh crap! I've lost my train of thought. Like, like Jeff Jarrett, like mm-hmm. uh, like a Mike Kyoto, and they remember you from from you going on Twitter or something, saying hey, like this or the Zooms or just talking to him over email, trying to get him on or whatever. And it's just like holy crap! Jeff Jarrett remembers me. Holy shit! Mike Kyoto remembers me or Eric or whomever. But at the same time, it's like okay, they're trying to. We we talked about Eric to Eric what about dogs and hunting? Yeah, and I'm like oh, and about with Lori Bischoff about how moose is her favorite wild game to eat. But, Oh God, have you, but you never had it, right? Never had some moose. I don't think. Try it once. That's all I have to do. Just try it once. And you'll be, you'll be pleasantly, uh, pleasantly surprised. Let me tell you. Um, we got yeah. any uh, listener questions from these slap dicks? Because I'm sure fucking Money Mike's he's he's been holed up while we were all at Top Guy Weekend. All he had to do was think about giving us questions. Oh, of course, see, and these are a couple weeks in advance. But anyways, <laughs> well, let's start off with Money Mike himself. We'll go back up to uh, 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 to them after that. But uh, we're gonna go through these real quick. We got about six questions total. So we'll go through these as fast as we can. Uh, actually, you know, we only have, yeah, we'll go that. 
So he asked, do you think the, the America versus Canada approach was too played out or and or too old fashioned for 97? I think no, we've touched fuck on no, that. fuck no money, Mike. Did you not see the fucking crowds spitting on Brett and all them when they come out? I mean, it was fucking over, bro. First of all, I don't remember. Over, US. bro. It's goddamn over, bro. If it comes out of a box, it's over. Motherfucker. Um, I... I mean, honestly, I don't think a Canada versus USA feud had ever really been done. So two plate. Now, if you're asking, is the USA versus Russia or other countries played out? Yes. But I don't think USA versus Canada had ever been really put in that type of light. Right. So I know it wasn't too played out. That's the answer to that. What the fuck does he have next? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to let you answer that because I don't think I can get any better than that. So his <laughs> next question is, what are your thoughts in or on autocorrect on the ending pay-per-views with no contest? Do fans have an argument for saying they were cheated out of their money? No. Well, I, there's there's nothing on the bottom of the ticket that says when you buy this ticket, we guarantee you a fucking one, two, three in the main event. So, no, 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 no. Well, all right, then. God I'm just going to shoot down all money mice questions because they're all stupid, like usual. What else does he have? Did you, you really want money, Mike, to get pissed off at you, don't you? I'm trying. <laughs> God damn. Seriously. But I know no. he won't because I called him. Uh, let's see what it's. I called him uh, Monday night and gave him a full rundown of the top guy weekend. So he right. won't get mad at me. He's really going to get pissed off at you. I, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't hold them back anymore. But no, I, I, I agree with you, too. I don't think it, it builds storylines when he's no contest. It, it continues the storylines like we had with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. We, we, without a no contest, that was the only way that we, they could continue it to, uh, to bad blood with the Hell in a Cell and then later to, uh, uh, what was it, uh, SummerSlam with the... SummerSlam with the... Uh, Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Or no, Royal Rumble. Sorry, Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, because yeah. that would have been the next one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is um, that's I think that's the only way. But uh, his third and final question is perhaps the most intriguing question. Why was Bret Hart consistently cheated out of the main event spot continuously throughout this era? Do you believe it made a, made it lessened the word t- may have lessened the word title? Excuse me. Um, first of all, this is the best question Mike has asked. <laughs> <in a while. laughs> Um, but, I figured you say that, but he's a little off in its base. Like Brett was in the main event at SummerSlam for the world title. Now, this pay per view, I understand we talked about why Sean and Brett were in that spot, right? Brett in the next pay per view, I think just wrestled in a tag team match, so that shouldn't be a main event. Um, and then in Survivor Series, he was the main event with Sean Michaels, so. I think it just depends on the match. And also, there were some spots, if we could go prior to this year, where I feel he was a little bit gypped out of some main event spots. But this year, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Also, you have to remember this. When you're booking, if you're Bruce Pritchard or Vince McMahon, would you want Bret Hart in the main event of every one of your fucking pay-per-views? Because if you do right. that, that that gets pretty boring, right? Right. So correct. 
so no and yes, I guess would be my answer to that. I think, and we touched on it too, is sometimes a world title doesn't necessarily have to be on the main, the main event to get over. Uh, Bret Hart got that title over regardless wherever he was. Uh, he, he had the best match at WrestleMania 10 and the fucking curtain jerk. And then, then he but, wrestled again in the main event. I don't yeah. think anybody else could have, have that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I don't think it really lessens, lessens anything to be honest with you, Michael, but thank you for I mean, those. Think, I mean, think about this guys. When, when we go back and think about matches. So we just talked about SummerSlam 91, not mm-hmm. too long ago. Right. What was the best match from that pay-per-view? Brett perfect. Brett perfect. Yep. Was it the main event? No. No. But what match do you remember? Brett perfect. Right. So who the fuck cares if it's the main event or not? What does it matter? I uh, think wrestling fans put too much emphasis on bullshit that don't matter. And I think may, what is and isn't the main event is one of those things. Because I think a perfectly paced card with a good balance doesn't matter if it's the main event or not. If You know what I mean? If you fit it in where it needs to fit in and it works. These shows are built off of live fucking crowds, mm-hmm. right? I right. know we're we're all trying to get ratings and everything, but in the end, you want your crowd to be psyched. And if you put two sleeper matches together, you're going to put your whole fucking crowd to sleep for the rest of the pay per view, right? Correct. So you have to put that balance in there. And so I don't necessarily put a hard line on all oh, the main event has to be the world title or the main event has to do this. No. The main event should be the most anticipated thing on the card. That's not necessarily always the world title. Right. No, and I and I get what you're saying. It's just trying to context is kin, as one famous person once said. Um, so our next question comes from Tony in Jacksonville. He asks, Would you rather have millions of dollars in the business? or a record amount of title reigns? I think that's an easy question. Like I said, the gimmick, the belt is a gimmick. Give me the fucking money. That ain't a gimmick. Well, but that was well, <laughs> millions of dollars. That could be like million, millions of dollars in uh, 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 Monopoly money or Procheesy money or any no. of board games or whatever. Listen, no, I, I get what you're saying. If you wanted to give me a contract for $10 million right now for the next... However many years, I will curtain jerk for you every fucking night. Yeah. Money is way better than a fake gimmick title. I mean, you think about this. When, uh, you know, some people were at the ends of their lives. And I know there are some wrestlers that have committed suicide. Do you think they were worried about their situation in life or how many fucking titles they won? Because I think I know the answer. So in the end, I'm taking that money all day, every day. Oh, without question. Uh, so thanks to Tony and Jacksonville for that. Uh, we're going to go to our next question is Des, uh, at Desmino on Twitter. He asked, as the show closed out, he was wondering why 
HBK helped Undertaker put Triple H in the tombstone. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. I think HBK got up and was looking around for something to do, and he just reacted. Yeah. I, I don't know really why. I, you know, and I, I don't think there's really any thought into it. Um, More of like, oh, crap. Let's but I, I did notice that even before I saw our run sheet and saw that question was on there. I was watching the paper. I saw that at the end. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? And I think he was just like got up and just like started to do something like maybe started a attack taker. And he's like, oh, fuck, he's in his finish. and gets it all back out. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I don't think that really you really play anything. Anything into that, to be honest with you. No, nah. I, I, I personally wouldn't. That's just me. But. I don't know. So. Our final question we're going to dedicate uh, be- from uh, from Devin Dowling, devilish Devin Dowling himself. The devilish one. Uh, we d- addressed a couple of his questions in the uh, in the show. So you have to go back and listen to those, Devin, because uh, we talked. He asked about the uh, main event with Brett and, um, mm-hmm. and Patriot. Uh, but his question is that remains is this is the headbangers first and only WWF title victory. What you, what's your opinions on the headbangers? Uh, his he said they are major are majorly uh, underrated as a tag team. What do you think, RJ? For this time, I don't think you can properly. I don't know. I I, I don't think they're properly judged because the tag team was so weak. For this time, they're good. Would they hold up? Give give them a couple more years. I don't think they would have held up with the likes of an Edger Christian, with Hardys, with Dudleys, going forward three uh, years. But I think there were would have been a good enough tag team to get those other tag teams over. If that makes sense, to kind of be like passing that torch to guys like um, I hate I hate using them, but like with uh, too too uh, too cool. Brian Christopher and uh, Scott Taylor. I think this is going really granular on this, but hear me out. Okay. So in early 97, we started having shot or mid 97. We had, we started having shotgun Saturday night, right? Mm -hmm. And shotgun Saturday night was a live show from New York city. I don't know if it's live. It seemed like it was for a while Mm -hmm. Um, on Saturday night on and you could get it i don't even think it was on cable i think you could get it or no yeah it was it was on late on usa maybe i can't remember but i remember for me in junior high that show was over when it started because it was more programming and i wanted to watch it and so i think for a lot of people um the headbangers got over because they were kind of the heart of shotgun saturday night you know what i mean like they were on there every saturday night and so they kind of started to get over with fans in that regard. And I think that's why they got this shot. Um, I don't really have a problem with them. I thought they were okay. Right. They were, you know, there's, I don't have anything bad to say about the headbangers. I don't say that I was necessarily ecstatic about them, but they were okay workers that could do all right in the ring. And, but I do agree with RJ. Could they have been around in the Edge and Christian days? I don't know if they would have looked real good in the ring with those guys. But, you know, they, they were kind of the, uh, 
I, I don't want to say this, but they were kind of the na- <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> well, they were kind of the nasty boys of '97 for WWE uh, in a uh, grungy in a grungy way, uh, like a you know Nirvana grunge. That was their whole gimmick, the rock grunge type thing. So you know it, it, they are what they are. As Dennis Green said, uh, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> and you give it away. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, and they're great guys, seriously. And they got saddled after they left that they got saddled with some bullshit fucking, uh, Oh, you don't like beaver cleaver or whatever. Oh, my beaver that? cleavage. Beaver cleavage. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it. Uh, I don't think we can transition much better over to our wrestling with music this week, Justin, than that. Uh, so let's. Let's go over music to that. segment. This is my favorite segment of the paper or of the pay-per-view of our show. Oh, this is without question. I got to get you over there, man. This is, this is great podcasting folks. Let me tell you, we're just trying, I'm trying to figure this shit out. Uh, all at the same time, all at the same time. And if I can't, I can and- lead, I can lead us in here a little bit. We are doing, uh, two theme songs from two wrestlers that we're at this pay-per-view. So we're trying yeah. to now wrap our music around our pay- uh, around our show each week. Yeah. So without further ado, Justin, I'm going to uh, introduce your yours real quick. And then we'll go to mine because, well, why not? So I'll play your, our, yours as we, as we go. So like, hopefully this will play and we don't have to worry about it. Justin, you can't get much better than that, man. No, even though we'll, even though I'll, I'll attempt to do that, you can't really get much better than that. I mean, Stone Cold, you know, you hear the glass breaking, he comes stomping out, all pissed off. The music, and then just the music goes with the character so well mm-hmm. that dun 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 dun, like you're, he's coming out to beat ass. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like it's there's no frills here. Well, he, he's coming out. He's kicking ass, taking names, all that stuff. No and, doubt. And I think even Jr. goes back to it and says that that was hit one of his favorite uh, themes mm-hmm. too. I'm I'm almost positive. Yeah, I asked. I, I don't him know that if question. he was on. I don't know if was it on the show or no. I asked him a question on Zoom the other night. What his oh. favorite theme song oh, was? Oh, okay, he, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he said Steve Austin. So, yeah, that one's going to rank up. I got a feeling pretty high on our list. What else do we got this week? What are you bringing? All right. So. So, Justin, without further ado, I'm playing. I'm dedicating this theme song. Directly to you. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look. Tribes 
sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I make them hot. Okay. So I, I, I just wanted to end when I said it made me hot. Um, <laughs> I'm hot. I'm about half hot. You're like, you're, well, I, f- I figured you would be quarter Maybe hot. I'm about eight-tenths hot right now. Eight-tenths hot? First okay. of all, when you're a wrestler, that's the type of song you want to fucking play. Oh, it's all about, you know, all oh, the girls like me. Well, how about how you fight? Oh, that's right. You've never won a real fight in your fucking life, you puss. So that, I guess that is good music for him on that regard. Jesus but it's also, he's a terrible singer. He sings his own fucking song. I'd rather have Sherry's voice, which is even worse, but it sounds better than his. Listen, if he wants to go be on his girly magazines and, you know, pose for his girly magazines and, you know, his playgirl, then go ahead. We're here to wrestle. Stone Cold's is better. <laughs> God damn. Seriously, I didn't think I'd get you that hot. God damn. But hey, hey, it was worth a shot. What the hell? Oh, we got to rank them now. Do you got our list of rankings? I think I got our ranking somewhere here. Let me get over to. Yeah, he's got to let him get to his assistant there. I got his secretary. Wait, secretary. Hey, Georgette, come here. Georgette. No, no, oh, oh, no. She's she's baking me an apple pie right now, so she's <laughs> going to be a little bit, a uh, little bit busy as we speak. Uh, so what we're going to do is let's go over to this. So we have our rankings currently. Number one, NWO. Number two, The Undertaker. Number three, Bret Hart. Number four, Roddy Piper. Number five, Rick Rude. And number six, Owen Hart as the Rocket. Where would you put Steve's in that group? I would put I would put Steve's number one. Okay. And you said our number one is NWO. NWO. I can go with it. I'm for it. Steve's is number one. Because I just because it when you think when we've had this conversation, even with the Undertaker uh, theme, it is that just that much more iconic when you know that the uh, when the glass breaks, you know, he like you said, he's coming down here, he's gonna kick some fucking ass. He's gonna, he's gonna stunner JR. God damn it. God damn, pal. God damn. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna slide old Stone Cold into number one. Now, I think that's gonna be interesting because we got some more coming up that'll that'll be hot on his heels. But that's so Stone Cold number one, NWO number two. All right, so now who we got? Oh, that guy from Houston, that little bitch. Where are we gonna put his music? Me personally, I would put him right after or San Antonio, wherever the hell he's from. I, see, I'm tossing between this. I want to put him between Piper and Rude, but I think Rude's is more iconic than. I would um, put I would put his shit under Piper and Rude. Yeah, but, but before Owen. Yeah. Okay. I think that I think that's I think that's accurate. I just I don't think. Like I that, said, I just don't like him singing it. That makes it weird for me. Did, and the fact that he's talking about himself and how, I mean, that was fun in his old, you know, 93, 94 gimmick with Sherry. Mm-hmm. That song maybe work. But I don't know if that song was good enough to keep 
the rest of the time. You don't think so? I don't know. I, I'm sure Frank fucking Bruno would disagree with me. But well, there's rumor in India when Indo has it that uh, Frank Bruno is uh, quite the sexy boy himself. So we'll yeah, just we'll so. leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. Um, but no, those are our rankings. I will make sure to update those uh, as we go. But for next week, Justin, before we get into our plugs for this episode, uh, we're going to be celebrating uh, the 63rd birthday of Mr. Arn Anderson next week. Uh, just like I said, one of those guys that we both had, we both had the opportunity to, to meet this past weekend. Like we said, a top guy weekend. Um, and just more important, he, he leads by example. He's not one for words, but when he does cut a promo, yeah, for those of you that has li- listened to his show and that has listened to, um, um, the uh, eight WHW when he cuts a promo with the 86 uh, uh, WCW and WA, you know, he's uh, he's not mixing words after goddamn sure. How old did you say he was? 63? 63. He was born in 58. So him and uh, Bobby Eaton were the same age because when we were going, when we did Bobby's show, it was his 63rd yeah. birthday. No wonder they were such good friends. They were the same, same age. Yeah. Well, um, but that, yeah. But it's going to be fun to talk about Arn, man. Arn is one of the best, one of the best of all time. Um, it was great meeting him again uh, last weekend. And tell you what, those hands of Arn Anderson ain't nothing to fuck with. Those are, dude, bear, they, those are bear claws. Dude, they are, uh, they are not something to mess with, like you said. That's for goddamn sure. Um, I have yeah. shaken the hand of Vader, and that one was about the only one that impressed me more as far as just the hand size and the strength and right. arms. But so we appreciate everybody. Hopefully we'll t- tune in next week uh, to that episode on Ernie Anderson. It's one of those I'm looking forward to it with Justin. Cause I know it's gonna you, be a lot to talk about. Yeah. I, I know, I know you appreciate them. We, I appreciate them as well. Uh, just in outside the ring. Um, so what we're looking forward to that, but also something we're looking forward to is interacting with all of you on, on the Twitter gimmick. You can follow us at underscore ringside rant on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow JD at JD 2040 on the Twitter gimmick. Uh, check out our uh, merchandise store at ringside rant dot what for Uh, thanks to, uh, Ravenscroft for doing the theme for the song, Mr. Rich Palladino. Uh, for doing the uh, interludes, if you will. Um, just thank you. Go over, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, thanks to the Shining Wizard Dressing Network, uh, the Full Press Radio Network, uh, sh- the Visionaries Global Media Network, as well as Wrestling with Johnners Network. Thrilled to be a part of all those all those great uh, networks. Yeah, um, thank you guys for having us on. Seriously, yeah. that's awesome. And uh, thank you all for listening this week. Thank you for submitting your questions. Follow us, like I said, on Twitter. That's the main hub, as you guys all know, uh, for the show. Um, Submit your questions there. I'll put up a post probably sometime Friday afternoon, Friday night to get those uh, questions out so we have enough time to get them out. Um, And just we appreciate everybody that's been retweeting, have been commenting, Coach, Michael, uh, Devin, uh, Hornets beard guy. A lot of these great guys that are coming on board and listen to the show. Amy, 
I think uh, Frank Bruno was rocking a ringside rant shirt at the AEW pay-per-view. I we were actually, believe it or not, this is the one time I can say that Frank Bruno and I are twins. Yeah. And you guys got on uh, black and orange Bengals collars. I like it. Hey, right before I, the NFL season starts. I bought that one just for you, JD. Because I knew <laughs> I knew I'm like, I'm like, okay, can I get the red one? I'm like, nah, I red, I have too many red shirts. I need an orange one. Well, the Reds are in tied in the thick of a fucking wild card race right now, and my Bengals are about to start. So uh I walked right out of Louisville. That's when I saw her right over the hill. I forget how it goes, but Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. Go Reds, go Bengals. And uh, see you guys next week. Bills Mafia, mount up.